everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Chase. This is a creator-owned spotlight. We're going to be talking about a current Kickstarter campaign for a project called Minutes to Midnight. And we have friend of the show, Trevor Fernandez-Lenkowitz, joining us to tell us all about it. Trevor, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank, thank you, man. It's great to be here as always. You know, this is this is like a checkpoint stop on the press circuit every time. And like, uh, it's just crazy to think about uh, where we started uh, almost two years ago and where we are now. I think it's been over two years, actually. Uh, but far too long, far too long since we've hung out um, in person. We need to rem- remedy that. I'm hoping maybe NYCC this year. That would be great, man. That would be a really, really wonderful time. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to that. So, uh, listeners of the show, you will remember Trevor was last on. When he had the campaign going for his sixth and final issue of Area 51, the Helix Project, which funded a uh, huge congrats from the comic source on on that. I mean, I don't have hard numbers or what have you, uh, but I I just think it's an unbelievable feat to have your six, your first six books uh, all successfully self-published and funded on Kickstarter. I mean, I, I know a lot of Kickstarter projects fund, um, but a lot don't. And to have your first six of them uh, fun was, yeah, that's that's something to be proud of. You have a body of work now. You've done the convention circuit. People know you. Uh, and that kind of leads us to this next project, uh, Minutes to Midnight, which I got uh, a sneak peek at a few uh, pages from different stories that are in it, somewhat of an anthology. One of them even um, was like five pages of, of like fully lettered, which is a super intriguing story. I can't wait to, to hear more. So. Let me turn it over to you. Let everybody know kind of what this is about, and then maybe we can go, um, you know, story by story or project by project, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Minutes to Midnight is really uh, me taking a huge creative swing, me um, being totally unconcerned with the commercial viability of the project and just deciding to go out there and do something that matters to me. And um, this is really sort of inspired by this loose theme of perspective, which I associate with midnight, right? It's the precipice between days. Um, you can either choose to let everything that came before drag you down and it will impact what comes after, or, um, you know, you have a moment of that clarity in the, uh, sort of silence of, of the night and you're able to work through problems that you never were able to before. So we have four, uh, comic book short stories of varying genres that all work through uh, the theme of perspective, although from different angles. And so um, they're all ranging in sizes as well. You know, the the stories in this collection range anywhere from six pages to 22 pages. Um, and uh, like I said, we just get to play in so many different spaces with an incredible host of talented artists from all around the world, some familiar to those who are, who are um, readers of my work and, and some brand new faces. Um, so basically to, to sum it up, we have a paranoia induced detective thriller, a supernatural coming of age story, a Dante Alighieri esque historical fantasy and a sci-fi futuristic personal drama um, that make up the bones of this collection. And I'm hoping uh, God willing that this will kind of become my pocket watch press annual uh, every year. I'd like to be able to do a short story collection based off of a new time on the pocket watch, a new time of day. Uh, so we're, we're kicking things off with this bad boy. Yeah. Fascinating, uh, to think about those type of stories. And I didn't realize, yeah, of varying lengths. Um, 
yeah, 22 pages for one of them. So that's basically a full, full issue. Not even really a short story when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny, right? Because that story, um, which is reflections and other little devils. And then another story, time fleeting war immortal, uh, both of them like doubled in size. This collection was originally going to have six stories in there. Um, and as I was sitting down to write the scripts for, uh, those two, I came to realize that, um, that, that it wasn't enough that if I stopped where I wanted to stop, I wasn't doing those stories or those characters, the justice that I wanted to. So I, I just kind of let those characters uh, and those stories tell themselves and they expanded. And uh, I figured, you know, I can always tell those other two short stories at another time in another place um, and let reflections and time fleeting war immortal be as good as they need to be. Yeah, I, I'm curious about your decision to go with an anthology, um, especially stories of varying, varying lengths. It's almost like after the success of Helix Project, you know, what come what comes next? What do I do next? I can't decide. I'm going to do them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. I guess it kind of was something like that. I mean, these these stories all came to me while I was working on the Helix Project. You know, I would just jot down little bullet points of like ideas of of, of themes or moments or, or bits of dialogue. And um, I also thought about the implication of what the beginning of my career looks like. I mean, it's very unusual. I admit to kick off your career with a six issue series. That's like, you did, you just don't see that. And as much as I love it and I, and I had a great time and I grew a lot writing that story uh, I don't want to be pigeonholed. I don't want somebody to read the Helix Project and be like, this guy is the alien conspiracy guy. Um, I want to be looked at as the guy that can deliver a good story. I don't want to be put um, put put in, in an, an imaginary circle and told that I can't move outside that. So Minutes to Midnight was also me just acknowledging the tendencies of the industry and, and the propensity for them to try to typecast me and going, no, actually uh, I can, uh, I can play in all these different spaces and I can do them well. Yeah. There is a little bit of um, maybe a preconception that some people might have, you know, when you talk about the word midnight, I think people immediately assume, well, if it's an anthology and it's got the word midnight in it, you know, nighttime, middle of the night sort of thing, uh, it's going to be horror um, specific, but, just based on the you know a little bit of previews that I have, it's you know it might be fair to say these are suspenseful stories, but they're not necessarily lean into traditional horror. But on the other hand, I mean horror is has never been more popular in comics than it has been now since like the fifties with EC comics. Like horror has is is going gangbusters. Whether it's the things James Tynan is doing through his Substack or. Um, you know, Cullen Bunn over at Boom or, or you know, any number of creators over at Image. So, yeah, there are some horror elements here, but that's, again, not to, to pigeonhole. That's not what these stories are all about, right? Yeah, it really, it's funny, man. Uh, unlike, I think it's very non-traditional in the way that I approach the construction of this um, this project because, like, genre came, like, second or third to character and theme like i haven't i had a theme i had an idea that i wanted to work through and chew on um and and i constructed everything else with that as my seed and i thought about ways that i could amplify or accent the theme using the tools that each genre has to offer and that's kind of how this came to be you know i wanted to tell a story 
um, about how our perception of ourselves affects the way we look at the world around us. And so Reflections and Other Little Devils came as this cerebral and gritty detective story in which I could really explore that, right? Because the voice of a detective allows you these sort of the, the, the right to be a little bit more, um, to have the character be a little bit more analytical of the world around them. And I thought that would play off super nicely. And, you know, we'll get into, um, more of these stories as we, as we hang out tonight, but, um, yeah, like genre really wasn't my concern at all. Genre I thought of as a, as a, as a vehicle to push theme and to push character. Yeah. It's fascinating too, because there's so many ways you can construct it. Uh, like one of my favorite Batman annuals of all time is the four faces of Batman. And it's, you know, four different creators and four different stories. And one of them uh, focuses on the fact he's a detective. One of them focuses on the fact he's, you know, the dark Knight. Another one focuses on the fact he's, you know, the, this Avenger type character. And uh, another focuses on the fact that he's, you know, sort of mythological almost. So uh, there's a lot of different ways you can, uh, you can construct it. Um, and hopefully your, your readers and your supporters from uh, your previous projects are going to show up for this and, and enjoy it. Like, I, I, I gotta be honest, like I'm more excited for this than I was probably for the end of Helix project, just because it is such a, a variety of stories. So yeah, uh, you kind of gave us an idea of what uh, reflection and other little devils is about uh, who's the artist on the series and, um, and how did you choose them for the project? Cause that's another thing I want to talk about, like choosing the right artist, mm-hmm. because these all have a distinct visual tone, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So I reteamed with Samuel Iwunze who drew the fifth and sixth issues of the Helix project and did some of the greatest covers, uh, I think in the indie comic space, if I'm honest. Um, and Really, there were two things I was focused on. One, I was excited to start something with him. I I am so grateful and I adore everything he did um, helping me bring the Helix Project home, right? And finishing that up. But we didn't start that together. You know, um, this story gave us the opportunity to imprint both of our sort of creative signatures and make sure that it had the DNA of, of, of us as, as um, <clears throat> storytellers. And so... You know, he and I, we really wanted to do something different from the Helix Project. We really wanted to push our understanding of the form of the comic book medium and what we're able to do visually. And we we came up with, um, you know, and and to be honest with you, um, I wrote this story for him. I wrote this story to be drawn by him specifically um, while I was wrapping up the Helix Project. And I mean, he just went above and beyond, you know, and, and delivered something incredibly special and, uh, something that I, again, I, I think it's the best thing I've, I've done so far. Uh, certainly it's the most experimental. I mean, you know, between our interviews and, and, you know, reaching back into the day where I was doing uh sort of media content with you, um, I've always talked about my, my love and my influence, um, of D- from DC Vertigo comics. And this is, I think, my swing at doing a Vertigo style story. And, uh, and like I said, Sam and I really sort of pushed ourselves in the same vein that I think, um, like the British invasion, uh, for Vertigo did with the medium back then. Yeah. What I love about it, you mentioned, uh, choosing a detective as the main character gives you certain sort of narrative abilities, you know, to, to sort of see the, world through the the analytical eyes of a detective. But the other thing it does, especially specifically with crime noir, you're used to that 
first person narrative, right? Like you're used to the detective kind of, you know, melancholy or cynical outlook on life, just telling you how it is. Uh, And I, I think there's something to that because, you know, as we both know, there's a tendency for some writers to spoon feed uh, readers to some extent. Um, And just, it's this vomit of words and it, it just, it doesn't read so great. I think with the doing it through the voice, you know, uh, narratively of the detective itself, that allows you to still convey the information, but you're also conveying mood and character and personality. And it's so enriching. Thanks, man. Yeah. And and honestly, selfishly, there's a part of me that knew that there is a kind of dark poetry to the voice of a detective that I, I really wanted to play with. You know, I always stressed and I still stress um, the importance of letting the art breathe and letting the art do most of the storytelling. But I felt like I, I reached that balance well um, with the skill set that I gained from writing Helix Project. And I kind of wanted to be able to explore um different ways that I can use the text and the narration and the dialogue to really complement what you're seeing on, on, on screen, on page in a, in a brand new way. And I thought this was like a really unique ability to do that. This gate, excuse me, afforded me the unique ability to do that. But, um, you know, another cool thing about this story is I don't know if you caught it, but it, it takes place in my hometown. Mm-hmm. It takes place in new London, Connecticut, and it plays on a little bit of new London's history. Um, in a sort of what if situation because you know 20 years ago Pfizer got the city of New London to invoke eminent domain and a lot of people lost their homes um that that they might have had built or that they you know lived in for for decades uh and so you know this story is uh kind of me playing around with our local history which was a lot of fun it was uh really really cool to be able to do yeah, I definitely noticed the one page where it says New London. And I'm like, oh, I bet he went out and took a photo and passed it on <laughs> to your photo reference. So, yeah, fantastic. And, yeah, when it comes to to playing around with the dialogue, I mean, we're, we're what we're really talking about, we're talking about vocabulary, right? Like the, the ability is to select a certain word as opposed to another word, which can – it can enrich the story so much. And if anybody's read recently um, Tom King's um, – Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. He he did that, you know, with the flowery language of the, the little girl in the story, and it, it just gave it such a unique tone. And it's just proof that, yeah, it, just just based on the word choices that you use, can help set the tone in a in a story. So, uh, well, let's move on. Uh, Bear market businessman. What's that one about? Who's your artist? Give us uh, give us some cliff notes here. Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, just to also shout out my letterer on reflections as well. We have Jerome Gagnon. Uh, lending us his talents there, but um, bear, bar- bear market businessman. <clears throat> it's interesting. I think it is the simplest story I've ever written, and also the most emotionally raw story I've ever written. Um, it is. Uh, it takes place centuries in the future in a neon adorned New York City, um, and we we sort of enter that as it weighs down upon the richest man on the planet, who kind of. You know, he has everything, but in some ways he has nothing at all. And so on the edge and on the on the precipice of of just giving up on life, uh, he kind of has to figure out how the key to surviving is the choice to live and the choice of how to live. Um, And we have Ryan Best joining us for that for that story. Uh, And the story will be lettered by uh, yours truly. So that's a lot of fun. But, um, you know, he's 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 got this beautifully 
expressive style that reminds me a lot of Terry Dodson in the way that he constructs his lines. And um, they're just smooth and sort of flexible uh, and, and just he has such a great understanding of form and and how you can use these sort of smooth organic shapes to push the vitality of the artwork in a in a really expressive and human way despite not being a realistic artist um and he also colored his own work on this project which i mean he blew me away if i'm being completely honest the original plan was to have my helix project colorist um uh, you know, work over top of his inks. And he's like, I really, really want to do it. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? I'll pay for you to do one page and we'll talk about it after. And I mean, he, he absolutely blew me away. Just like he, the, the way that he is able to use the vibrancy and the loudness of the city lights to focus um, the reader on the the human elements of the story, right? Almost as a point of contrast, I think it was just, was just such a, a major speaking point for me. Um, and ultimately is why I, I would have been stupid to say no to him coloring the story. So he really brought something special. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, sounds like somewhat of a sort of, sort of a down story. You know, this guy's struggling to find a reason to continue to exist, which is in, in a huge contrast to the, the colors from the preview page that I saw, which are, you know, bright and vibrant yellows and blues and pinks and purples. It's, it's fantastic. So can't wait to, to check out more. Uh, you mentioned time fleeting war immortal as, um, another one of the, um, the stories that you expanded. Um, so give us an idea of what that's about and, uh, and talk about your artist a little bit. Absolutely. So this one is, is really special because when I expanded this story, um, the genre actually shifted a little bit. Uh, this went from being a contemporary black comedy to a more uh, like, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a, there are going to be a lot of listeners who have read or are familiar with uh, Dante Alighieri's Divine Comedy. And this actually pulls a lot of thematic, um, a lot of like thematic inclination from that. And it's, it is a Dante-esque historical fantasy that follows two nearly immortal soldiers as they reconvene throughout every great battle in human history from a time before time was measured to the end of all of existence as we know it. And um, this results, I think, and I hope, in a timeless story about the changing landscape of war, uh, the way adversity is often conditioned and based on fleeting ideals that um, more often than not, I think, spawn a hatred and a... a uh, kind of like a, they, they spawn like a negativity that outlasts the ideals themselves that, um, brought them into the world. And, and really also at the end of the day, despite dealing with these sold, these, these soldiers who, um, exist longer than anyone has the right to exist. It's, it's just that we will never actually have enough time, no matter how, how long or short you live. I think you're muted. Sure. I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, to me, that's what's so interesting and fascinating about that. Um, and, and you know, you talk about this throughput of, of perspective and, and the way we all have kind of a different, unique outlook. Here's two guys that are going to share something that nobody else can really relate to in, in terms of immortality. But even they, it seems like, can't, can't agree. 
and even agree to disagree, um, even though they share this unique experience. So I'm, I'm fascinated mm-hmm. about the way that's going to play out. Uh, who's your artist on this series? How did the, uh, how did you choose them? Yeah. So uh, funnily enough, uh, this is a familiar face in a different context. My artist is uh, the colorist for Area 51, the Helix Project, and uh, the artist of the C covers for issue five and issue six of that series. So, um, you know, I really I really wanted to give him the opportunity uh, and myself the opportunity to work with him on a, on a different level, on a different playing field. So he is penciling, inking and coloring this story. And uh, I mean, his his work is just so beautiful, so lush, um, and and it has such a, a a wonderful illustrative quality to it that I think lends to uh, what we're going to be doing with the story. It feels timeless. His artwork feels timeless, and this story aims to be exactly that. And I, I think he knocked it out of the park. And um, on letters for this story as well, Jerome Gagnon will be uh, will be joining us as well. Yeah, the art for the preview page that I saw really blew me away. And you're right about that illustrative quality. Um, it's just fascinating. I can't I can't wait to see. And the fact that he's going to get to draw these guys basically trying to tear each other's head off through the ages, right? Through different, right. you know, the preview page is like pre, sort of looks like prehistoric time, but fascinating mm-hmm. to see them, you know, maybe it's the French Revolution, maybe it's the American Civil War, maybe it's World War Two. you know, maybe. Yeah future uh so yeah i can't wait can't yeah you're you're actually onto something there we we explore some real wars in human history i mean you know it's it's there's you can't really place a a period or a battle on the um the the first conflict right the conflict that starts at all uh in the time before time but um you know we go through the siege of Gathium, we go through uh the norman conquest we go through the battle of yorktown um and it ends up in extending into some interesting territory as we explore the changing landscape of war apropos perhaps the presidential debate of 1960 uh and and so i think um you know this this story really evolves in in such an interesting way and uh it's going to be really fun for um the the history junkies out there i think to 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 kind of uh, be led through sort of depressing in a way though if i think about it too much like we've got we have these thousands and thousands of years of history and, and i get it like in in terms of the age of the planet you know we haven't been here that long but god we haven't learned anything it's sort of depressing that, that is yeah that is that is definitely an element to this story for sure so fun fun to fun to think about <laughs> the story, uh, Marvelous Misadventures of the Melancholy Man. Uh, preview pages here. We start literally at the beginning of the, the main character. We see him being born. So give us an idea of what it's about and and, and talk about your artist, because this one looks quite a bit different than uh, than the other three. I would say the other three look relatively close to traditional comic art. This is sort of uh, out there a little bit, a little more watercolor style, a little softer uh, in terms of artwork. Yeah, this, this um, I mean... Steph, uh, who's who's the artist um, gracing this this story with her talent, is uh, bringing something entirely new, uh, as you just mentioned, and it it is like this this soft expressionism, um, and this this again like like Ryan has a level of vitality to it insofar as the way she's able to present the characters and their emotions, but she constructs it very differently. You know, she uses. Uh, gradients and color as opposed to these sweeping lines that Ryan uses in the bear market businessman. But um, the, uh, and by the way, this might be my favorite title 
uh, out of all, all of them, just in, in saying it out loud, The Marvelous Misadventures of the Melancholy Man is the only story in this collection um, that I'm planning to syndicate in future installments of my pocket watch press annual. I want to follow this character as he grows up. Um, but it is a supernatural coming of age tale about an empathic boy who turns others woes into gold. And he, this character Midas, uh, whose journey is, is inspired in a way by, um, the Shakespearean play and the character of, of, of King Midas. Um, he has to learn to find balance in a life where a simple touch could mean healing someone else's mind at the cost of his own or vice versa. And this first story that we pick up with him in is sort of him kind of facing down the moral pendulum for the first time and understanding um, what he has the capacity to be. Uh, and it leads him to making an acquaintance with a familiar face to any longtime comic reader, which is I'm really, really excited for the for the comic heads to see this person appear as a sort of meta character in this story. Uh, but ultimately, it all boils down to an exploration um, of self-sacrifice and self-preservation. Yeah, I'm fascinated as well, um, just by the fact that, the, you know, you mentioned uh, coming up with these ideas while you're were working on your, your previous project, Area 51, Helix Project. Um, and the fact that th this one of these of the three, this is the one that you're going to have to come back to, like because the, the others seem like they could continue as well. They all seem like great ideas great stories from what I've seen. But this is the one you're going to come back to. And it does make sense because like I said, from the first page, we're starting at the beginning uh, of this of this boy's life. So to see him evolve, uh, very interesting. Very interesting mm -hmm. to see what you have in store. Uh, and, and also curious how, how this one might end. Uh, I feel like you might be a little more inclined to leave it on a cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> like you plan on coming back to this one as opposed to the others. But who knows? Knowing you, who knows? You'll give us a cliffhanger on the others too and make us all suffer. <laughs> That's what I'm all about, I guess. Well, uh, the the project has been running for a few days, everybody, as we uh as Trevor and I sit here and discuss it. So let me get the numbers here in front of me, let you know where we're at. Uh so with 28 days to go, we're at 4,200 of a goal of 6,500 um to bring this project to life. And as I always mention to Trevor, I think he doesn't really charge enough for these books, especially compared to some other, um, some others who, you know, will charge maybe 20 bucks a book. Um, and that's not necessarily, uh, the case in terms of, uh, of what you do, but I will say this one being 64 pages, you know, basically the equivalent of three, three and a half regular books. You are going with a little bit higher per unit, um, cost but they're getting you know a, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck with these stories so talk a little bit about the rewards and uh the way you structured everything for the the campaign itself yeah so uh as you know affordability is always on my mind and uh, i wanted to make sure that people could get in on this story without having to break the bank so if you want to read all 64 pages of this story and and either are concerned about space or just don't have a, a lot of capital at the moment, you can read the story for as low as $10. Uh, really, really high resolution PDF holds up super, super well to zooming in and out. And and further, if you want to catch up on everything I've done, you if you want 228 freaking pages of comic book stories and you want to read Minutes to Midnight and all of the Helix Project, that's as low as 19 bucks. Uh, so I, I think there's a, a really easy in 
for these uh, for these stories. But ultimately, if you want to pick up a physical copy of Minutes to Midnight, it is as low as $22 for the A cover, 64 pages of story, some of the highest quality uh, physical printing in the industry. And uh, it scales up slightly with each variant. So the B cover is 27 and the C cover is 32. So um, we've also got, I mean, some familiar faces on covers and and some fresh faces that uh, I think if if I'm to be so bold as to say, I think I've continued the trend of having some of the best cover art in indie comics right now. So I think that's, that's a pretty solid incentive. Um, yeah. Uh, but moving forward, we have opportunities for people to get exclusive merch, exclusive t-shirts. And as Jace is well familiar with, uh, they are always incredibly comfortable. They are hundred percent. Um, so we have uh, we have an art print as well, which will be voted upon by the backers at the end of this first week. As as we speak now, we are two days in. And so uh, that should the results of that vote should show uh, in, in probably by the time that this episode airs or near near that. Um, and then, of course, we have slightly discounted uh, cover bundles for people to get in on the project uh, with all three covers. We have a, let's see, just going through. We have retailer packages that offer a competitive discount for all of you comic book shops out there. This is effectively giving you a, a diamond level discount at 50% so that you can go out there and make your money. Uh, we'll include you in all of the marketing material. You get credited inside the book uh, as a pocket watch press retailer. And if you are absolutely insane. And for some reason, you decide that, uh, you know what? I like the cut of this kid's jib. Uh, we do have the I Love Comics pack, which is almost every single cover from Area 51, the Helix Project, and Minutes to Midnight, along with digital copies of everything, just in case you are the the, the ardent collector who does not want to get their fingerprints on anything. Uh, we have that available to you as well. And it, it scales upward. Uh, we're bringing back producer tiers. However, they are limited by time because I want to get this book out ASAP. I want to send this to the printer uh, basically right around or right before the campaign ends. So with the producer pack, uh, in addition to pretty much everything that I mentioned prior, you get credited as a producer inside the book and, and immortalize your name as a supporter of this, this big creative leap. Um, and moving further at the executive producer tier, it adds on the ability for you to get, uh, a, uh, a digital commission from one of the artists that I work with, Samuel Iwunze. And there's a, actually an example of a commission that he did for one of my backers of a previous campaign. He used as the graphic image there with uh, the Sandman Morpheus. So um, a lot of optionality. There's also one more slot to get drawn in, which as of the time of recording this video uh, ends in about four days. And uh, actually you read one of the pages with uh, a face of a backer who had uh chosen to get drawn in based on his contribution to our previous campaign, the, the, the page in the police department. So, uh, you know, you can, that you can certainly get immortalized that way. And I think that's, that's probably one of the coolest, if not the coolest pledge option we have available. Yeah. And you're still doing uh, portfolio reviews as well, right. For any aspiring, uh, creators out there. I am. Yeah. And you know, I think if I can say anything about the merit of that, obviously I am a very talkative a very talkative guy. And uh, at bare minimum, you know, you'll get your money's worth with that consultation. And I'll, I'll give as much detail and as much um, 
constructive advice as I possibly can. Yeah, I mean, six successful Kickstarter campaigns, you're definitely doing something right. So anybody who's trying to to, to kick it off uh, and then with, you know, the networking you've done at conventions and what have you. Yeah, I think uh, from that aspect, a lot, lot to offer. And if anybody is listening for the first time um, to, to Trevor, ha- haven't listened to any of the previous episodes of uh, Area 51, the Helix Project, it's, it's a fantastic spooky alien conspiracy sci-fi story set in the 70s kicking off in in new york city um and it's fantastic so if you haven't read it here's your chance here's your chance you know whether you get it digitally or uh splurge one of those big packages with uh all the different variant covers and and what have you so um good luck with the campaign i will take the opportunity to remind everybody you kind of touch on it yourself not everybody has funds when when you need them to buy your comics so just remind everybody the best way you can help out trevor and his co-creators other than supporting the campaign is uh to spread the news on social media talk about it at your local comic shop tell your friends about it that uh like to collect and read comics because yeah these things uh aren't cheap and uh sounds like everything's done and it's just a matter of uh you know being able to to pay for the printing process so um go check out the campaign there's a link in the show notes and if you it sounds like it's perfect for you but you just don't have the funds yeah the best way you can help out other than backing the campaign is to uh spread the word on social media so and i i i've been so busy lately i've totally remiss i missed the early bird i'm gonna have to go pay extra now or you know more than the early bird won't have the early bird discount but yeah, I didn't get a chance to pledge first day, but I'm going to do so right after we're done talking so I don't forget. Um, so yeah, again, best of luck, Trevor. I'm super excited for this. I think if I had to pick the one that I'm most excited about, it's probably Reflections and Other Little Devils. And maybe that's just because I I kind of got the most of a taste of that one based on the letter pages. Um, but the... Uh, the War Immortal has me intrigued as well. A uh, little bit, of, I'm getting a little bit of Eternal Warrior vibes, uh, classic Valiant with that one. So, uh, I, I, well, I won't put you on the spot and ask you to pick a favorite because I know it's like picking my favorite child. But what I will say is, is there one story that you're more curious about reader reaction than than any other? I'm fleeting War Immortal. I think um, in terms of yeah reaction, I think. <clears throat> that that story and and the evolution of that story um really did kind of alter its alter the baseline in a way um that even the expansion to reflections uh might not have done and i I don't know i mean it's it's complex i think it's thematically the most complicated story i've ever written and and just what it has to say without explicitly saying it there's a lot of subtext um and I'm really, really curious to see if I was able to engage it in a way that isn't explicit, but also is perceivable uh, by the audience. And um, like I said, it, it, it's just, you know, to for me to even admit that I'm trying to swing for something akin to the divine comedy, I mean that story is eternal for a reason. And so this is like a, a huge, huge, huge step for me um, in my creative journey. And so I'm, I'm really, really excited for people to, to read that. And I'm curious to see what they think. Um, 
in terms of the story I am most confident about, it'd be hard not to admit that Reflections and Other Little Devils is kind of my baby. You know, I mean, it's it's me and Sam getting to start something together. It's it's us pushing our understanding of the comic book form and um, how we can deliver a story through sequential narrative. I mean, it is it is it is another big step. And like I said, it it is the closest thing to my biggest influence, which is DC vertigo. Uh, so I'm, I'm partly nervous, right? Cause now that I've set that up and now people can make their comparisons and tell me that I absolutely did not um, fit the bill, but I uh, I'm really excited. And these stories mean so much to me. Um, like this was a project that I, I didn't think about the marketability or the commercial, the commerciality of the project at all in the making of it. This is just a purely creative expression and a want to tell stories that matter um, using the different tools of genre. So overall, I'm just excited to see what people think. And this is me also doing my best to give the people what they want, right? Like you, you, you can read or listen to punditry online where people say they want story first. They want character first. They don't want the gimmicks or the same old, same old. And this is this, this, this kind of goes against all of that. This is all story, all character driven. And, you know, like I went into this acknowledging that this could be the biggest financial flop of my career because I, I just, I care about these stories and getting them out into the world that much. Yeah. The thing that I look at it as is, you know, being that these are different stories, being that it's all in one package, I think this will be fantastic in terms of your career, being able to just hand this to an editor and say, okay, check this out. You know, it shows a wider breadth of what you can do as opposed to, hey, here's my six issue story. It's kind of a lot to ask for a, an editor to invest in. You know, we're all busy uh, to invest that much time in it, it and it's one story. Here, you know, that's 64 pages and they're getting four different stories, seeing the different things you can do. So from that perspective, I think it's fantastic uh, and and a good, smart move by you. Not that that was the reason you chose to do this next, but definitely, definitely going to be some benefit to it, I think. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, this, I mean, this, this project means so much to me um, and I, I'm really putting myself out there in a big way. And, you know, all I hope is that, uh, kind of people, people take my hand and let me guide them through these stories. And, um, that's all I can ask for. I, I hope, I hope you all enjoy it. I hope you all give it a look. Um, and if you like it, I, I hope you're willing to tell somebody else about it. Let everybody know where they can find you online, uh, as we're finishing up here. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on pretty much any uh, social media outlet at Pocket Watch Press. However, uh, Twitter's character limitations have left me with no other choice than to go down to P Watch Press. Uh, I do have a newsletter, which we've just converted to Substack. Um, so you can find me at pocketwatchpress.substack.com for up-to-date news on where I'm going, what I'm doing convention appearances, shop signings. Um, you'll get behind the scenes look at at some of the production of my work, which is really cool. Uh, we do sort of uh, trimesterly giveaways. So we're actually gearing up for our summer giveaway for newsletter subscribers only. And um, yeah, you know, you just, you get to keep in the loop. And I think it's great for anybody who might be interested in my work, but also for fledgling creators, because I really do get into the weeds sometimes about how we uh how we construct the the comics um a couple months ago we even we completely broke down the first page to 
Area 51, the Helix Project issue six from the script all the way to the finished page with everything in between. And I mean everything. I mean, I even showed the correspondence, the notes that I gave to my artists and how those eventually impacted each of the iterations of the rough pencils. So uh, it's it's pretty in-depth. So I, I think it's worth getting into, and, and I hope you drop me a follow. I hope you check out the Helix Project. And uh, you know what, man? I hope you freaking download this episode on your favorite uh, audio platform of choice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, you mentioned conventions. Where uh, where are you going to be at next? What what do you have coming up? Ooh, baby. So uh, I'm I'm taking a month off from traveling to do the whole Kickstarter thing, but my next convention is going to be in June at Heroes Con in Charlotte. Then I'm back home in July for Terrificon uh, in um, Uncasville, Connecticut, at the Mohegan Sun. And then August, hopefully I'll be at Fan Expo Canada, just waiting on a couple of things to tidy themselves up. Um, September, I have Baltimore Comic Con and the Memphis Comic Expo. In October, I have New York. And in November, I'm very, very, very excited um, to be attending the Thought Bubble Comic Festival in the UK. So wow. that's um that that'll be a really really good time and I uh to be honest with you I can't believe I just said out loud that I'll be going there and tabling. <laughs> I think yeah that's great. Uh, a lot of great shows, a lot of comic centric shows. So uh listeners if you're going to be at any of those highly recommend swinging by and uh checking out Trevor's work in person. So uh, again, best of luck with the Kickstarter. Um almost there, almost funded about 2 thirds of the way. So hopefully uh, by the time you guys hear this, uh, it'll be even closer. So uh, again, link in the show notes to Trevor's social media and the campaign. And uh, best of luck, buddy. Thanks for joining me. Dude, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as always. Yep. And to all you listeners, we want to thank you for your support. We appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The readings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.